The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Kia ora and welcome to Paper Cuts. I believe this is episode six. Is it? Ooh. It does say that on the piece of paper. It does. So oh, that's I didn't what even I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm Karen Das and I'm so thrilled to be here with my two co-hosts. Gina Todd and Louisa Kulsa. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who has tuned in and interacted with us in real life. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at PaperCutsPod and you can email us at PaperCutsPod at gmail.com. So what have we got today? Well, first of all, I just wanted to do a shout out to our PaperCuts fan, Laura, who has made a Google sheet of all of the books and non-books we've talked about Mm. so far. That and is, this is so incredible. Thank this, you, Laura. This is a giant admin job. I never would have never <laughs> wanted to do it myself. And I can't believe you offered to do this, but we're glad we're glad you did. It's a, I think it's going to be great. I'm going to refer to it. Well, I had a look at it, and man, it is such a kick-ass list. It's a kick-ass reading list. Yeah, for sure. So um, we can put a link up to that, can't we? Yeah, well, I think we'll – I haven't talked to you about this, but we can just put it on every um, page, and then we'll build up yeah. on it. And we're not going to make Laura keep doing it. We can add them in now. (laughs) She (laughs) She started it. (laughs) But thank you, Laura. That was so sweet of you. So, book news. Hey, happy birthday, Karen. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That counts as book news. You're a book person. Book person. Yep. Yep. Big 4 0. Yeah. Do you feel different? No. (laughs) Just the same. Just the same. (laughs) Baba Das. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, what's next on the agenda? Well, uh, Karen, did you want to chat about words oh, yes. at all in Christchurch? Yes, yeah. So um, I just went down to Christchurch um, at the beginning of the month for the Word Literary Festival, and I chaired a little session um, called Soundtrack or Dancing about architecture. And it had four writers, Chris Teese, Philip Hoare, who was amazing, and Pip Adam and Nick Lowe, and they presented a little 12-minute essay about music that had kind of formed, um, well, formative kind of music in their lives or the soundtrack kind of to their writing. And it was really diverse. Um, Philip Hoare talked about David Bowie. Uh, Pip Adam talked about the front lawn, and she played the front lawn song, Andy, and I'm pretty sure almost everybody in the room almost wanted to cry. <laughs> it was so moving. And Chris Teese did a wonderful little piece about Kylie Minogue. And he had this great line, uh, your disco needs you, mm. which I really liked that. And Nick Lowe talked about Archie Shep and um, dubstep. So it was really diverse and really cool. And there weren't that many people there. I think Dinah Wichtel, um had a session at the same time. There might have been about 30 people there. Oh, that's but pretty good. somebody was heard saying that was the highlight of the whole word festival for Aww. me. So that was, was it really you? Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, and it actually wasn't even anyone I know. So <laughs> well, that's good. just dragging you. And so um, did Christie's talk about early Kylie or well, new Kylie? He actually um, focused on her 1997 album, Impossible Princess, which is kind of that funny little era when she went indie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she had Manic Street Preachers, James um, Bradfield, um, writing and producing for her. And, yeah, yeah, it was quite cool. That's actually the only Kylie record I own. She was my first album, the Kylie, Kylie. Yeah, yeah. Because 
I was a big um, Neighbours fan. And Same. So I went to bed after Neighbours at 7.30 and Charlene yeah. and Scott were my, and Jason Donovan was my first crush. I was he was one of mine too. I was first exposed to her with spinning around because I'm young. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I still had my Neighbours trading cards. Oh, I still, when I watched the video, especially for you, I still, there's this three quarters of the way through it, Jason Donovan just looks at the camera and it just still gives me shivers. Ooh, yeah. melts you. <laughs> melts me. He doesn't, he doesn't look as, he hasn't aged well. Sorry, okay, anyway. Oh. anyway. Um, <laughs> so, Karen, like, what was, like, how was the festival, like, as an experience? Um, did you, like, feel, like, a buzzy atmosphere? Oh, I, I was basically in and out because I'd been at the Hamilton Book Month. Ah. The night before. Yeah. Um, okay. What was that like? That was actually amazing. Ooh. But um, there were about 110 people at my session, which was really cool. That's incredible. But the atmosphere at Word uh, was so buzzy and so lively and everyone was really excited and it felt really energetic. It was really cool. I wish I'd been there a bit longer. I might plan it better next year so I can actually spend more time there. Yeah, I was just thinking, quick bit of pot admin, that we should try and like hit all the festivals mm-hmm. next year. Ooh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah. That sounds fun. Road trip. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, we we did miss going west. Just That was just this weekend. Um, but everyone I've talked to have said that that was an incredible. Mm, but well, you were part of the, well, you ran a book launch, didn't you? Yes. Related. So yeah. I was on, um, I was running a book launch on Saturday night, which a lot of Going West people had come, they'd come from, oh, they'd going, come from West, going West. And yeah. it was um, the Viva, the winners of the Viva La Novella Prize, which is mm. this, it's, the sixth year of the prize and it's Australian and this year not only one New Zealander won it but two New Zealanders won it and they've never won them before so um they were swim by Avi Ducker Jones which real pod tie-in Avi is a great writer but he also won Survivor (laughs) season one (gasps) oh my god yeah and um and I know Avi back from Dunedin time so it was just a good reconnection oh Lloyd Jones's son yeah that's right yeah he is Lloyd (laughs) Jones's son so runs in the family and the bed making competition by Anna Jackson so they're both Wellington writers though Avi lives up here and so the Viva La Novella competition is run by Australian publisher Brio Books Seizure, which is like an online literary journal that nurtures new writers. And I haven't read these books yet, but I've heard the authors reading from the works last weekend and they mm. sounded amazing. Mm. Um, Paula Green introduced Anna Jackson's book in a beautiful way mm. and she's just blogged her speech. And um, Swim is a vital, vivid work on facing the past while being daunted by the future. Mm. So it looks beautiful. I had a quick flick through it. it yeah. yeah. Stu, uh, my husband, read it. He finished it in the last couple of days, and he just said it had very, very strong writing. Mm. And he was glad that it was the size that he was. it was because he was on Jesse Mulligan. He talked about how he'd cut it down by about um, – it used to be four times the size. Oh that it wow! Because it's quite a slim novella, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hence the winner of a novella competition. So, big ups to these oh, guys. Yeah, true. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <was> so sorry. <laughs> so it was a cool, and then so I saw lots of faces from the Going West Festival yep. there too. I got a. I was chatting to um, Anne Kennedy, and she was saying lovely <clears throat> things about our pod, which she said to you in person too. So yes. hi Anne. Hi we, Anne. Hi Anne. We love you. We do love you. Um, and we'll talk about that more later. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else is in news? 
This Did you week- want to talk about that writers? Well, this weekend is the National Writers Forum, which is it's a conference for people who write books. It's um, the second of this biannual festival. And the keynote speakers are Anita Heiss from Australia. Mm. She's got a new book called Why I No Longer... Good. Oh shit! Sorry, I can't remember. It's mm-hmm. just the word Aboriginal in the title. Okay. And Lani went young. Who's from Samoa? <laughs> Is that bad to say? Not if it's true. It, it does have yeah. the word Aboriginal yeah, in yeah. the title. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Lani went young. Who's from Samoa? And so these are the keynote speakers. So they're great. Um, with female writers from overseas, and but John Marsden's coming. <gasps> pretty big yeah that is fucking front gate yeah that is amazing so if you don't know John Marston which you should he wrote um Tomorrow When the War Began Mm. series which is such a series of my childhood so totally um, yeah this conference inspired my work colleague Taylor when she went last time to do her master's in creative writing that's wonderful she is now doing right yeah she's like written she's written a whole book and um so it's this is a hub for workshops inspiration information on publishing like I spoke at the last one and it was don't you know put a spine on the cover and Mm -hmm. you know all of that Mm -hmm. stuff totally yeah don't put a spine on the cover I mean put a spine on your bloody book oh please put a spine on your book I knew what you meant yeah I thought you meant don't put like a spinal cord on the cover and I was like well you could. <laughs> anyway, um, that's this weekend. Lots of Great. it sold out, so check it out next time. And um, so what is on the spin-off books page, Book of the Week? Book of the Week is The Imaginary Lies of James Pornicky by Tina Makareti. Published by Penguin New Zealand. And it is reviewed by Claire Maybe on the spin-off um, books page. Yeah, book of the week. I just thought it looked bloody good. I haven't read it. Yeah, you've read, read it. it. Yeah, it's a great book. It's really good. It's like got lots of layers to it. It's very readable. Um, it's a really interesting premise, which mm. is um, the um, ethnological zoo, right? Exactly. So it's like what happens when you take Maori culture overseas and put it on display for mm. people. But yeah. then it's also a coming of age story as well. Right. Because um, James Pornicke, yeah. he's a teenager, right, when he goes with this artist to London and um, he agrees to be part of this sort of exhibition. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a painter who comes to New Zealand. It's set in the 1850s-ish and he... Um, so the painter's probably loosely based on on maybe Gottfried Lindau or Goldie, perhaps? It's not one of those. It's not one of it's those. It's not those two guys and it's based on somebody else. It's based on somebody else. And okay, well, then, I'm just talking out of my ass then. Yeah, but, you know, on the <laughs> similar vein, you can see he yeah. went around painting people and then brought these paintings to... <laughs> exhibit in London and then James Pornicky becomes also a live exhibit so he right. stands with yeah. the paintings yeah yeah well because that's a that was a really important um kind of um thing that happened during those times which was that they would have people from different cultures come and be exhibitions which mm. is a very mm. disturbing and dehumanizing concept and uh, what Claire pointed out in her review which I thought was really interesting was that she um usually the concept of the ethnological zoo is that you are looking in at someone and objectifying them, whereas in this book, the person who is part of the exhibit is looking outwards Mm. and describing what they see there. So it's a really cool reversal of that traditional looking versus looked at relationship between colonisers and the colonised. It's a a beautiful read. She's a beautiful writer. I read her um, other book, um, Where the Rekuhu Bone Sings, and... 
was just such a beautiful, um, beautifully observed, stunning story, kind of of dislocation and cultural heritage and, yeah, kind of um, blended in folklore. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's, um, she's a terrific writer. I've mm. only read some of her short stories, but um, they are so sort of um, kind of raw and riveting and... Um, yeah, that beautiful blending of mm. of modern mm-hmm. and um, and old um, kind of Maori stories. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Tina Makariti and to Claire maybe for that incredible review, yeah, yeah. which made me very excited to read the book. Um, also in book news this week, the Matatuhi Foundation has been announced. Yeah, this and is very exciting. It's news. pretty exciting. It's been established by the Auckland Writers Festival to support the development of the literary landscape of New Zealand. So um, they have funding activities that will contribute to literacy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, and general kind of literary goings on. So mm. they are going to make, um, they're going to make up 10 one-off grants of 2000 to $5,000 per year. Um, contingent on available funds. <laughs> and, um, you know, on the board, you've got people like Anne O'Brien, who um, runs the festival, the, um, the oh, sorry, Run, what festival is it Auckland called? Writers Auckland Festival. Writers Festival. I'm getting so confused with all these festivals. Um, and Paula Morris, of course. Um, our friend Paula Morris, the writer. Um, yeah. mm. It's pretty exciting. Maybe we should apply. <laughs> Maybe we should. But if you want to know more about it, you can just nip over to matatuifoundation.co.nz. Yeah. Have a squiz. Get right some on. monies. And last thing, which will spin off into a new um, segment, is Little so Unity is opened, which is the children's bookstore next to Unity Auckland. Mm. Oh, yes. That is very exciting news. I Unity think... has had a baby. That's how everyone's putting yes. it. <laughs> um, and I've heard it's amazing. I've seen lots of pictures. I haven't had time to go check it out yet, but I will You're next time downtown. in the big smoke. Yeah. yeah. But when I go, I'll, I'll make use of that time. So I'm really excited for them. Yeah, it's bloody awesome news. Another bookstore is always a good thing. It is, which brings us to Unity Book of the Month. So uh, this month, Unity have chosen Ants Among Elephants by Sujatha Gidea. So we have two spellings here. I've got Gilda. So we've got Gilda up the top. I think it's Gilda. And then in the main text, it's Gidla. So question mark on that whoever wrote this copy (laughs) (laughs) I copied and pasted anyway that's who so this is a story this is a memoir it's Gidler Gidler. it's a memoir about um an untouchable family in the making of modern India looks really good Mm, it does so they this is the book that Unity are recommending for you to buy at the moment so you can get that from their website or in store at Unity Auckland and Unity Wellington uh, online at unitybooks.co.nz or indeed whoever your independent local bookseller is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the caste system is a really interesting topic mm. for – it is a nonfiction book. And, um, yeah, um, kind of talking about how um, independence from English colonial rule um, was a great thing, but not everyone got the same benefits mm. from it. Yeah. And it seems like it's from an interesting point of view, so this – family that are of a lower caste they get educated in America right and mm. then then she looks back on what's going on in her home country and yeah. how they would have been treated differently if they stayed there yeah so another bloody good recommendation mm. from unity yeah thanks unity so now we have our book reviews woo, woo. shall we start with a book that the three of us have all read yeah uh, called normal people by Sally Rooney who um this is her second novel 
and it's been long listed for the Man Booker Prize this year, and the short list is announced on the 20th. Which is today, but it's the 20th yeah. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. UK 20th. Yeah, mm. and you can keep an eye out for my review of Normal People, which will be in the listener in the next couple of weeks. Cool. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just really impressed. But I just, I just <laughs> think you should be. I think this is a book that everyone needs to be reading now, right now. Yeah, it's a book yeah. of this moment. And okay. I would be very surprised if it's not shortlisted. Mm, so would I. It's been getting quite a lot of buzz as well, I think. Lots yeah. of um, buzz. Everyone's, so Sally Rooney's quite young, I believe. She's um, like 27, 26. Yeah, so really young. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people are kind of calling her, you know, like kind of the genius of this generation mm. sort of thing. And I've noticed she's gone off Twitter. She has. So I think she's maybe being a bit overwhelmed well actually this. or she's writing another book no I read that um an interview with her she said that she's extremely overwhelmed by all the attention and that she hasn't written a word since October <laughs> last year and that she might not write another book she oh written my anything. god really but anyway I don't want to go through that traumatic thought because that's let's talk about the book first. awful to think about yeah. but um or well, why don't we go around and like, yeah Jenna what what was your experience of reading the book well Karen was reading this and you told me you felt really grumpy when you had to leave the house because you just wanted to go back and read the book. I managed to get my hands on a reading copy and one Sunday I had shitloads of stuff to do and I just started reading it and that's all I did all day. And um, it's amazing. It's just so compelling. Mm, You cannot put mm, it down. You just get completely sucked into these characters. So we meet these two characters called Connell and Marianne and it's just, it kind of sounds boring to, to, well, it's just I like a, it's they meet at high school, the they meet at high school and it's them through university. She comes from a wealthy family and the reason that she knows Connell is that he, his mum is a cleaner at her parents' house. And it's just that how the power balance of their relationship with each other and around other people shifts over, over the, the time of the book. Yeah, I think there's um, a lot of really interesting stuff about um, class mm. in this book, and um, the, everyone's sort of calling Sally Rooney a, a young Marxist. Mm. Um, and well, she quite, calls herself a well, young Marxist. Yes, which she is. And, and she's um, Irish, we should say. Yeah. It's all set in Ireland. Yeah. Yes, that is quite important. Small um, Galway um, rural town. Yeah, and um, actually Connell in the novel is mm. is quite a naive young Marxist, mm. I think possibly um, Sally Rooney's kind of like kind of winking at her former teenage self a little bit. And maybe mm. in both of these characters, actually. Um, well, when I so I read this book after you guys, and I started reading it, and I was like, I was not loving it. I'm gonna be honest, mm. because um, I was, I was a little bit impatient um, with the concept of you know two teenagers in love and like communicating really poor. Well, not necessarily in love, but having some kind of ill-defined relationship and communicating really poorly. And it, it was quite painful and quite emotionally raw. And I actually think I was actually just really triggered. <laughs> I was just like... It's very affecting. It was very affecting. And I kind of, um, I felt, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, and then I, I of course, but of course I kept reading and then I was absolutely hooked. And it mm. was just, it was such a nuanced portrayal, as you say, of those shifting power dynamics between mm. these two characters. And it felt just so... I mean, it's so it's a cliche to say it because it's written by a young a young author, but it felt so now. Mm. Mm. Um, so I had been given a copy of her first book, um, Conversations with Friends, by my rep 
Ross at Ellen and Unwin. Hi, and Ross. I have, hi, Ross. Hi, and Ross. I was just wondering, why is, <laughs> why is he giving me this? It looks, it looked, just did not look like something I would read. And I gave it away. It looked a bit light and fluffy It looked something. a bit light and fluffy and yeah. a little bit millennial. But yeah. then when, um, <clears throat> before the publication of Normal People, I kept seeing Olivia Lang, who I feel like I talk about in every single uh, Paper Cuts well, she's, episode. She's your best bud. She's my best bud. Yeah. Um, and I kept seeing her tweet about it, and she has excellent taste. And when I interviewed her earlier in the year, she told me it was the top three books that she had read recently. And so I read it, and I just was so blown away by it. I think it's a really startlingly eloquent study of the kind of murky intricacies of emotional and sexual relationships. And it's kind of, you know, this intense intellectual and emotional relationship between Marianne and Connell. And it kind of begins in their final year of high school and ends during their final year at Dublin's Trinity College. Yeah. And like you say, Louisa, I think it just has a lot of great comments about class and, you know, it kind of elegantly glides back and forth as they kind of, you know, um, navigate education and holiday jobs and travel and social dynamics and attempts at relationships with other lovers. Mm. I think it's as much about class as it is about sex. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, it's not a way that I would think of to portray class would be mm. through a sexual relationship. But it works, I think it's really, really effective. It's the power dynamics mm. between them. They yeah. have a really complicated dynamic. Yeah. Do you know what else I found interesting about their relationship is um, I think that this was in the Guardian um, uh, piece that you linked to. Oh, yes. Written by Olivia Lang about normal statesman. people. Statesman. New Statesman, I think. Maybe it was New Statesman. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, New Statesman. Love you. <laughs> and, um, but it talked about the um, the implicit violence in mm, their relationship. Totally. How there is this, um, this sort of threat of not even necessarily physical violence, although there is that. Um, but yeah, just this kind of like you feel like you're teetering on this knife edge of of some kind of violence, whether it's you know class violence or emotional yeah, violence or yeah. physical violence or sexual violence. Um, and I found that really riveting and also quite sort of um, confronting. Well, to be a devil's advocate, I think this is using it in the right context. So I'm on this online Facebook group called the Low Maintenance Book Club. Hi, guys. And lots of those people are based in Wellington. And one of the things they were asking about this mm -hmm. book is, can characters be fucked up without having some sort of trauma abusive past? So someone had read it and they'd oh really God, liked an it. Point. And they were like... It's that kind of thing when you watch crime dramas and then there's always like some kind of like sex den where they steal young women, beautiful women, and then attack them. And we talked about this a bit the other day, mm. and I felt like it was a really valid question um, because that does come up in the book, though it's not completely answered, and I don't think that's giving anything away. It's kind but, of alluded, isn't yeah. it? Um, there's sort of that kind of subtext of kind of weird violence and bullying and kind of emotional and maybe sexual trauma. Mm. So do you think that is a downside to the book that no, I don't think so I don't at think all. so yeah. no 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 it's no like, it's a really good point it's though what, it's what you said um Jenna is that when I was reading the book just to talk about the plot it sounds quite boring yeah but then when I read it I was so cranky and grumpy on this um Saturday and I was like why am I in such a bad mood and I just felt so resentful of having to do things and interact with people and be pulled away from this book which is this completely immersive kind of um, 
world that I just wanted to luxuriate in, I guess. And so it really worked for me on that level. And it just it just really beautifully kind of traverses the rocky eddy of intimacy. And, and especially during that really um, formative time of mm, high school mm, and university yeah. when people are sort of forming their identities in relation to each other. And who you are at high school may not be who you're seen as at university. Because they change. Yeah. They kind of change over, what is it, sort of four years or whatever. Um, I really yeah. like the structure of the book, how each chapter is, so they alternate narration mm. of the chapters, but then it will be like three months later. Five minutes later. Yeah, five minutes two later. Two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. One it's day very later. immediate, isn't it? There's mm. a real sense of, yeah. of time passing, but also of being in that moment, and it's quite, it's quite sensual as well, and... Mm. Um, you know, uh, very uh, not super descriptive, but you really feel like you're there with yeah. these two people. Emotionally in evocative, situation, I would emotionally say. evocative. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. I actually um, did want to say one more thing about that point about whether um, whether it's sort of trite to insert some kind of trauma into a character's past to to, to kind of explain their current behaviour. I went to see On Chisel Beach, the film mm. of the Ian McEwan novel. Yeah, I love that novel. I love Me that too. novel. I haven't seen the film. It's my favourite Ian McEwan novel. Mm. Me it's too. It's more of a novella. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no That's why we're friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, You're so gross. Here we are. Um, I'm going to cry These again. two were crying this morning. We were, we, were say, we were saying that we loved each other and crying. It was really beautiful. All before 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's, maybe that's why. Um, anyway, anyway, so I went to see this film and um, with my dear friend Claire Duncan. Hi, Claire Duncan. Oh, hi, Claire. And we went to Academy Cinema, which is an incredible place, and we had a great time, but the movie was hilarious. because really? Hilarious? It, yeah, well, it, well, hilarious is probably the wrong word, but it started off quite well. It's got some great actors. It's got that uh, Irish actress whose mm. name I don't know how to pronounce, Saoirse Ronan. I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and the guy actor whose name I just don't know. I've never seen him before. I don't know him from Adam. He was great too. And it was beautifully shot. Everything was going really, really well. And then, so it's about an, Ill, an ill-fated wedding mm. and an ill-fated wedding night. And in the novel, everything is very understated, and we're never really told why things don't work out. In the movie, they insert a, a bloody scene where she's sexually assaulted by her father. Really? Really? Which wasn't in the book. And uh, me and Claire what? were just twitching in our seats. We were outraged. We were like, this is this is so cack-handed. I haven't and heard anything about this. Because that takes away well, from I'm the probably, whole premise of the book. This is probably a spoiler, but don't go and see the film, honestly. It's not that oh, good. Stuff that. <laughs> Yeah, so that yeah, <laughs> that's my review of on on Chisel Beach yeah. the movie. Film's great. Um, the yeah, and great. Also, the book's great. Also, they great. sorry, the book's great. <laughs> and they inserted a postscript where the characters were um, aged with special effects as well. So lazy. It was just a whole thing. No. I was, just was, mucking was so around. Lazy. I'm and I was like, around. how dare you? Yeah. How dare you muck around with my favorite Ian McEwan novella? That mm. <laughs> <laughs> <I> cancelled. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad I didn't go with you to see that movie. <laughs> Um, we had a great time though. Had oh, some yeah. wines, went for dinner. Oh no, no, I wish it went. Yeah, okay. yeah, you do, you do wish it went. <laughs> oh, the other thing about normal people is that BBC Three have already started uh, an adaptation of it. Have oh, they? Speaking of that, well, so they're going to bloody butcher that. Hot yeah, to try, can't so wait. Not. But not. yeah, I mean, she's she is um, all the buzz right now. Sally Rooney. Sally Rooney, we love you, and you know, take care of yourself. Do what you got to do, you know? Yeah. We'll wait. Mm. We'll wait. Mm. We'll be right here when you're ready. Mm. <laughs> She's not listening. <laughs> 
Uh, we've got some mini reviews, eh, guys? So mm. just Ooh. just because that was quite a deep dive. So it we'll was. just talk Let's... about what we've been reading this month. I've just finished the VUP book, um, We Can Make a Life by mm. Chessie Henry. I'm reading that at the moment. Are you? So yeah. how far through are you? I am up to the second chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fresh. Not that far. Fresh. Yeah. Um, so this is written by another young author. She New Zealand author. Um, she's 26. And the main premise of it is that her f- dad was in the CTV building, CCTV building in yeah. Christchurch earthquake. He's a doctor, and um, then he had a breakdown after that. Are you okay, Louisa? I'm just trying not to burp into the microphone. <laughs> 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I was like putting my hand over my mouth really dramatically. I thought you were going <laughs> Well, no. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Please, please continue. I didn't mean to. I was trying not to distract you, but obviously that didn't. So also her her mother's house was destroyed in the Kaikoura earthquake. So kind mm. of these two massive earthquakes in New Zealand mm. have really affected her family's life. But it talks about her upbringing, um, living in Tokelo with her family. She's got four younger brothers. and But it's – I'm going to look at my notes. It's selfishly, I've enjoyed it because it has some parallels to my childhood. That southern um, eating raro out of the packet and the, the, <laughs> that was banned from my school. Was eventually. It? Oh my yeah. god! I, oh, made I us was, go nuts. I, I was a raro fiend. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. Yeah. We just had it in our blazer pockets. And uh, we just through. just go for a little dip, and you'd be like, "Do you want some? Do you want some?" And you yeah. pour it out your friend's hand. It's like um, crack. Okay, just quickly, did you guys ever like take the next step into just straight up citric acid? Because there's one. <laughs> For the hardcore only, yeah, straight up citric pure. acid. Some, yeah, the pure, the pure, the shit. pure uncut stuff. <laughs> oh god, this has gone really, yeah, really rogue. Sorry, Chessy. Um Yeah, so, we just need to get back into serious, in book serious mode. Um, and the music is very of the time. You know, there's references to Salmonella Dub, and, and we can make a life as a fly my pretty song. Yeah, that's um, so that's a. It's all very that New Zealand oh, of that God, time. That makes me really want to read it. I'm and really excited. So she moves back and forth through the storytelling really effortlessly, so it's not linear. And she speaks of the past when she wasn't there. So she mm. tells of her parents' trip to Africa, a year-long trip to Africa for their honeymoon. She talks of her childhood while also bringing the reader into her present as she writes the book in Wellington. She's sort of all tucked up in a duvet writing it in bed. She did a um, crowdfunding campaign for people to give her some dosh so she didn't have to work while she wrote it. Love it. Um, Get it, girl. And so it's it's more observational. Uh, it's beautiful descriptions of the landscape and of her family. It's not so introspective. It kind of feels like a book like this still processing what's going on. And she's kind of telling her father's story. She's telling really her father's isn't, story. Isn't she? um, and the kind of trauma that he had. And and because initially she'd set out to talk about the plight of rural doctors and how hard they work because when her dad, when the earthquake, the Christchurch earthquake came, he, he was already very, very stressed anyway. So he yeah. was a rural GP? Kaikoura? Yeah, in Kaikoura. So right. he, um, and then, and he just happened to be in Christchurch on the day and then he just like, talked about um you know starting a triage and then going to the cctv and he was like in these tunnels these quite traumatic scenes of his descriptions which 
again, it's that kind of parallel thing. My dad is a volunteer fireman in the way that he speaks about just this, like, really um, blatant, like, oh, and then there was this dead body here. But, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. very, very similar kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So for the scene of her mum, her dad talking about his his earthquake and her mum talking about her earthquake with her house, she just straight interviews them. And and so, mm. yeah, it's it's a really, really compelling, mm. very, um, it's a book that is unpretentious. I think that it speaks to a lot more New Zealanders than a lot of other New Zealand literature would speak to. Um, I thought it was just a really wonderful read and makes you sort of just think about all the shit that people have gone through. It's kind of a different angle on the earthquakes and the fallout of that too, though, isn't it? Because it's sort of a family story and um, this kind of amazing family that can openly communicate. I mean, the fact that he can be, her father can be so open and so frank Mm. and just kind of allow her to write about that. Because you would have read the letter that he writes in the beginning. I read the letter, yes. And, yeah, so I just really recommend it. I just thought it was mm. awesome. I loved it. And published by VUP. Yeah. And I think it's a really great pinpoint in history of this time of how these people are feeling. And there's this is not the only stuff that they go through. There's some other horrible things that happen to their family as well mm. and the way that they've come through together. And there's this beautiful Fritchie. He has a younger brother. He's got Down syndrome and he kind of just brings everybody back to ground again. He's kind of like the voice of it and that we can make a life as his favourite song and he's a beautiful thread through that story of hope. So Aww, that's yeah. lovely. Yeah, so that is my review. Great. Well, you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> so who's next? Um, shall I go next? And yeah, then, you go next. Um, yeah. And then, because our books talk to each other, which is very exciting. Mm. Um, so I just finished a book called, now I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this because... Um, it's it's by Maggie Nelson, and it's either Bluets or it's Bluets. Um, Whoa, I've been saying Bluets for the last well, three years. Everyone's been saying Bluets, but when I read the Bluets. book... Oh, well, anyway, we'll get into that in a bit. But um, So the book is a sort of philosophical um, kind of pondering on the colour blue, um, and it's told in um, 240 just kind of short sort of prose poem type things. She calls them propositions. Yeah, propositions. (laughs) Um, So mainly on the colour blue um, and mainly through the writings of, um, you know, um, philosophers and uh, writers, um, people like Joni Mitchell, um, Billie Holiday, you know, woman who sang the blues, obviously, but also people like... um, you know, French philosophers whose names I can't recall at this moment. Um, and it's it's really sort of um, gorgeous and it carries you along and you f- you feel sort of suffused with the colour blue and she's really passionate about the colour blue. Mm. And it is funny because I've seen pictures of Maggie Nelson and she does have incredible blue eyes, so I wonder if there's an <laughs> element of narcissism there. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, that's fine. Um, and um, so the... But it's not just, um, you know, it, you soon come to realise that there is an underlying narrative of loss. Mm. And um, so the narrator has, um, you know, lost a lover who she refers to in the book as the Prince of Blue. Um, and it's an incredibly rending loss. And she is just trying to make sense of it, I think, throughout this book. And, and the other um, loss that's in the book is um, she has a friend who's been in a car accident mm. and she has been rendered paraplegic. And 
Maggie, uh, well, sorry, the character, the narrator is taking care of this person and sort of experiencing vicariously what it's like to have such an enormous loss. Jenna? I just had my hand up. So is this memoir or fiction or autofiction? I think it's, we put it in bio-memoir. Well, um, we keep it, some I think, in cultural studies. On cultural, okay. So it's, I'd say it's it's kind of, um, someone described it as a lyrical essay. Mm, but tell um, yeah, yeah. Essay. It's a lyrical essay told in small, mm. small little propositions, small mm. little bite-sized pieces. It's a really, it's r- incredibly hard to define. A lot of people put it in the poetry mm. section, actually. Mm. Um, and some people put it in the memoir section. But it's never strictly... Um, I don't think she really refers to it as a memoir. Mm. It's it's more of a it's more of a you know a discussion of the color blue. It's so, such a beautiful book. Like I think such a beautiful <clears throat> book. She one of the, so beautifully. Yeah, one of the things about it is just that beautiful kind of um, keenly felt self awareness. And there's that line in there where she says um, the question. Uh, when should a sadness be drugged into a kind of clinical detachment? It's oh, almost like, you know, it. really luxurious. Yeah. Well, also, with regards to the name, the reason I've come to think that it might be the French pronunciation that we're mm. meant to be using is because Blouets, um, that's that's what um, the French call cornflowers. So you've got that lovely cornflower blue. Mm. And um, so the book, I think, the title of the book refers to a painting by the painter Joan Mitchell, Mm. as opposed to the singer Joni Mitchell, who's also mentioned, um, called Blue Eyes. And it's a really fantastic painting. And I was Googling it this morning, Mm. and um, there's quite a cool piece written about it by Lydia Davis. Oh, I love um, it. For Art Forum. So um, I will make a note to link Link that in our description. Link that. And... Oh, you just need to find a um, you just need to find a video where someone says the name of the book. I, yeah. tried. I tried. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, I was like watching this long thing, and I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just I've gonna had go, to I'm do that go so both. much recently. I've had to um, find videos of things where they just say the name of the yeah, book. Yeah, I had to do that a lot recently. Name. Yeah. <laughs> and did, so, did this come out before the Argonauts? So I think yes, it it's did. 2009. But okay. um, in the UK, it was released after the Argonauts due to mm. the success yeah. of that book. Uh, the Argonauts was well, that was a couple of years ago. Mm. That's Maggie Nelson's um, more famous book and also completely worth a read. But I can't even get into it right now. We got to we got to keep yeah. going. Yeah, we got to go crack on. So I was really excited when um, Lou said that she was going to talk about Blue A's or Bluets because. Um, it made me think of this book, On Being Blue, A Philosophical Inquiry, by um, William H. Gass, this book here. I've got it here. Mm. And he passed away last year, age 93. And um, I kind of really obliquely view these two books as kind of companion pieces. I actually bought them both together in 2016 from the lovely independent bookseller, um, McNally Jackson in New York. And this book here was um, written in 1976, and this is... The one I've got is the New York Review of Books Classics we edition, which I've raved about um, the series of books on the pod before. But I really loved this. It's a beautiful inquiry. It's kind of a book-length essay, and it's an inquiry into the colour blue um, and sort of the sex and sleaze and sadness surrounding it. And it's kind of an obsessive list or catalogue. Mm, and it feels it's just such a velvety book, and it kind of explores the way in which meanings um, historically attached to words. So really it's it's a book about language and words and as much as it is a book about colour. And um, I think lovers of words and language would really love it. And like Bluets and Blue Nights, um, the book by Joan Didion, oh, um, yes. 
which is another book that uh, is obsessed with um it's funny, blue. isn't it, how blue is such an evocative colour for people? It is. It, it makes me think of this attraction to the colour blue that writers and artists have. I mean, you have Derek Jarman, who I've spoken about before, his film Blue. Uh, some of the complications that he had from AIDS meant that he could only see in various shades of blue. Wow. Um, so his film was kind of an inquiry about that, and that came out a few months before he died of AIDS-related illness. And then you have Joan Didion's second book about grief, Blue Nights, which she named um, after Le Bleu, um, or the Blue Hour. The blue hour yeah. um, and there's Yves Klein in art with his blue monochrome. So it's just, um, oh, there's something about it that triggers something in people. Didn't Lord say that her latest album, Melodrama, was really inspired by quite a specific colour of blue? Oh, that's the cover color on the cover. Mm, probably hmm. thing oh, to do. Thing to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, beautiful book. And I'll just read a little bit out of it. Um. He says, of the colors, blue and green have the greatest emotional range. Sad reds and melancholy yellows are difficult to turn up. Among the ancient elements, blue occurs everywhere in ice and water. Um, yeah, beautiful book. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. Well, add that to the pile. Add that to the pile. With a look of stress on her face. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's next? Well, we've got a who the fuck is. So I actually genuinely know very little about this. Oh, so. Because I'm an ignorant piece of shit. You are not. (laughs) So our who the fuck is today is um, Bob Woodward. Um, There's been lots of buzz about his book uh, called Fear. There are lots of Trump books that are produced, and I think if you're only going to read one, this would be the one. That's what I with, wrote. Yeah, with, with, it's, yeah, me well, too. It's got, I mean, no, just kidding. I didn't okay, write anything. So <laughs> who the fuck is Bob Woodward? He is an American investigative journalist, and he was a Washington Post reporter. He was their star reporter, um, and now he's an associate editor. But the significant thing about him is that as a young reporter, oh, oh, I know, I know, he con- I know. Yep, Watergate. Yep, yeah, he contributed much of the reporting around the Watergate political scandal in 1972, which was sensational. Um, and he's written around 18 books about American politics that have all been um, bestsellers. I think we've made our notes from the same article. Uh, Wikipedia? <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, well, a, a fantastic article. Yeah. Hey, when one needs to find out who the fuck one is, they need to wiki. Yeah, I've, totally. I've, I have had the Wikipedia article on Bob Woman open on my screen for like several days. I even glancing at me like, ah, later. <laughs> um, so Fear has sold 1.1 million copies in its first week. Mm. It sold 750,000 in its first day. So have you guys got it in, is it in stores? It's in, in yeah, stores. It's, on... it's super readable. I mean, I haven't read the whole thing, but I started reading it and I thought it's super um, engaging and amazingly written. How really long clear. has it been out? And is uh, it on the Unity bestseller charts on the spin-off? Page, I'm sure, um, it, sure it must it be. Must it be. must be. It's been out about a, a week? week. Yeah. Came okay. out on the 12th. If it's, yeah. So if it's not on the bestseller list so yet, it will, it be. will, be, it will yeah, be soon. And so um, Bob Woodward pioneered a new form of reporting using unnamed sources to get the real mm. story. So that's what he gets criticised a lot mm. for because he doesn't name his Sort sources. of goes, um, uses people on the inside. But right. And that's not really the uncredited. done thing in journalism, is it? You're meant to sort of have identified sources. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm asking you, Karen, because we're journalists. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at you. <laughs> so he, yeah, more of a critic, though, really. Yeah. <laughs> and I got this from the Business Insider. Woodward has said that the officials who have spoken publicly against the book have privately told him it's accurate. Oh, I read funny. that too. Yeah, <laughs> we just like the same stuff. Um, I don't think I'm going to read. I don't think I'm going to read the book though. Mm. I think I'm just going to watch interviews with him on like. Stephen Colbert and which I've already read. He's actually quite boring to I, listen I, to. I watched that um interview and uh, yeah, it was kind of boring. And <laughs> earlier on, <laughs> wow, we're so well informed yeah. and engaged with politics. <laughs> well, earlier on in that show, um, Colbert made fun of him because he speaks yeah. so slowly, slowly. <laughs> and so bloody drone. Yeah, so it was quite a bit. I was like, I, can't, I keep refreshing it on the day I knew the interview came out. And it was a little bit of a letdown because he's not an animated person. But that means I think that he's just like a true journalist he's just like really fastidious about mm. his work yeah. he's, he's put not hundreds, he's hundreds not of hours yeah. he's put hundreds of hours into these interviews even if they are they're direct players but it's on an anonymous basis but it looks chilling anyway but perhaps this is a good present for your like racist uncle <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say, but yeah. What, yeah. Was, what did you oh, think I was thought you were going to say, like, for, like, someone who's, like, politically engaged in your family. Them too. Them too. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Both. For both. all. Sometimes it'll be the same person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know the, um, the film or the President's Men with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford? That I've was based... I've never seen it. Oh, it's really great. I but love it was a bit of based Hoffman. on um, Bob Woodward and his colleague Carl Bernstein, who worked together on the Watergate oh, thing. Yeah. Right. Well, Bob, if you're listening, you know, well done, but don't come on the show because apparently you're crap at speaking. So. <laughs> <laughs> should, I, should we cut that? No, I don't think he's listening. It but doesn't matter. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Get a phone call. Uh, so I think we'll crack on to our little not books. not books segment. So who wants to go first? You go first, Karen. Okay, so I just wanted to talk about the little. Um, Mini Festival at the Academy Cinema, which you've already mentioned. A great cinema on um, Lawn Street in Auckland. It's so funny because I didn't know you were going to speak about this and I was going to speak about it. Ooh. But I'm really glad that you are because you know a lot more about the films. Oh. So carry on. But <laughs> it's called There She Goes, 20th Century Counter Cinema. It's just started and it runs until October 26th and it's um, on at the Academy and it's a really cool program. Um, program There's a few Karen Das favourites in there. Lila Bullen-Smith. Nip over to academycinemas.co.nz anyway and have a squiz. But I love that the focus um, on it is post-50s, pre-2000s period um, women women's films and really significant ones. And a lot of them aren't available online or on DVD. And I also feel like every episode of Paper Cuts, I talk about Barbara Loden well, and Wanda. But... That's so funny because I, when I went to Academy, I saw the posters and it said something about Wanda and, and I was like, I thought of you. <laughs> um, but it's really exciting. That film, which is such a amazing um, landmark film in women's filmmaking, but mm. so kind of unknown criminally, that's part of the program. So I'm really excited about seeing that. On the big screen, because it's such an amazing film about womanhood and class and poverty and women on the margins, and it's really naturalistic. Can I come? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her story is a sad story. Um, go back, I think, to the first paper cuts where I talked about her about story. Barbara Loden. I talked about Barbara Loden. Yeah, you sure did. 
Yeah, and Agnes Varda is in there as well. So, mm. yeah. Also, great. Crush by the New Zealand filmmaker. Alison McLean. Alison McLean. Not yep. Crush, sorry. Um, oh. Kitchen, no, it is Crush. It's Kitchen or is it Sink. Kitchen it's the short film. Oh, yeah. The classic. I used classic. to love it. Yeah. I watched that heaps at arts when I was every, at every, every art school. Oh, yeah. When <laughs> I used to teach film, yeah. that was the film that I showed students. When people yeah. ask me about like New Zealand Dark art, New Zealand. Like New Zealand Gothic, New that's Zealand something Gothic. that I always yeah. link to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's um, a classic. Totally. Kind of feel like um, after three years of teaching film and using that as a text, I don't really need to see it again. <laughs> I kind of Fair don't enough. need to see it again either, but, but I always yeah. enjoy it when I see it. Mm. Um, that's an awesome recommendation, Karen. Cool. So who's next? Oh, I just mean Bachelor Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> just, is, the bachelor again. just the ba- Bachelor in Paradise is just finished. Did you talk about that last time? I talked about Bachelor Australia. Different bachelor. Oh, right. Sorry, I, but it's just finished, so I've gained. Five hours of my life back every <laughs> week. That's how long it would go for Far plus out. podcasts. So now I'm just reading books mm. in that in that bachelor I'm in that time. Zone too. Yeah, that Bachelor in Paradise exploded as an explosive ending. Very meta. Lots of tweeting and subtweets and affairs and texts that were exposed and pregnancy and arrests. Yeah. Well, I don't know why I gasped at pregnancy, but there you are. <laughs> it's kind of unexpected pregnancy, I guess, not between two contestants, but if you if you know, you'll know. I don't need to explain it here, but it's been a big week. Awesome. <laughs> Great. This isn't the real pod, Jen. Uh, <laughs> or is it? <laughs> um, is, so that's your recommendation? Yeah. Great. And Lou? <laughs> Um, so mine's pretty random. It's a film that um, I watched a couple of weeks ago that I've seen actually many a time. Mm. It's a 1991 American gangster film based on original story and screenplay by Thomas Lee Wright, directed by Mario Van Peebles, um, starring Wesley Snipes, Ice-T, Alan Payne, Chris Rock, and Whoa. a couple of other people. And it's called New Jack City. And it is – has anyone seen it? I'm looking around at everyone. I haven't seen it. It is – it is a lost classic, in my opinion. Mm. It is so good. It is, um, it's a classic rise and fall gangster story set during the rise of crack cocaine in mm. New York and the projects in the nineties, mm. oh, in the eighties, in the eighties, yeah, But um, so it's set in the eighties, um, but it's hilarious because the soundtrack is completely classic early nineties yeah. old school hip hop and R and B. It's so you know, it's got boys to men. Amazing. It's got um. Um, it's got um, Flavor Flavors actually in it oh, in a club scene. There's some incredible dude. club scenes. <laughs> it's it's so much fun, but there's also so much drama. There's there's betrayal. Is there's... he wearing his clock? Yeah, he's wearing his clock. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> he's not a main character. Yeah, that, that's not a, the, the yes, betrayal. Is. Is, I mean, on Flavor of Love, he is. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Lou. Um, no, no. Um, yeah, so I just think it's an incredible film. Seek it out. I just have it on DVD because mm, cool. I'm, I'm old school. What's but, it called um, again? It's called New Jack City. New and Jack um, City. also, if you can, if you go onto Spotify, they don't have like the official soundtrack, but you know there are various playlists. I love of how the people music. make those yeah. playlists. Me too. And often they like chuck a couple of extra things in there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's like on theme, then it's fine. Someone's done the work. Like Laura made our Google Drive list. It's like someone's done the hard work and put yeah. it all together. Yeah, yeah. yeah the they're like, yeah, you need a little more moist boys to men in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely one a really great film. Which boys to men song is it? Um, did they do? Don't wake me. I'm dreaming. Um, I can't remember. Sing oh, it. I, 
Don't wake me, I'm dreaming. Ooh. Don't know. Um, Don't know. Yeah, it's got, I can't remember who sings what, but it's got like Color Me Bad, like all oh, those people. Amazing. Um, I want to sex you up, of yeah. course, oh, yeah, so Color Me Bad. So gross. And it takes place in during this really uncomfortable <laughs> like scene. It's so good. That the soundtrack's so really well, well utilized. In the, it is really it's real yuck. yuck. Yeah. And is but it, also great. Is it, is it a serious movie? It's a serious movie, yeah. yeah. And it's a serious people. really young Chris Rock in this incredible, like, heartbreaking role mm. of this young kid who gets mi- mixed up in everything, yeah. And um, Ice-T's pretty good in it, too, as an undercover cop. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I really love the Blade, is it Blade films or Wesley Snipes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wesley Snipes yeah. is so incredible. Yeah, I used to love that <laughs> Tanya's that nodding along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he rocks. Yeah. Love you, Wesley Snipes. If you're listening, come on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, is that us? Do you... Um, yeah, I think that's us. That's us. <laughs> We've got no quiz this uh, because, time because wow, wow. someone over in this corner, <laughs> Karen Des. Someone refused to, to do the Pottermore. Yeah, because you have to log in to do it. No, that's not why I'm refusing to do it. I'm just like, get the fuck out. I ain't, I'm not engaging with Harry Potter. I'm growing up and I read growing up books. <laughs> it reminds me of, there was, I think it was on The Simpsons, where someone, where I think it's Homer is like, oh, Harry Potter's for children and adults. Sad, lonely adults. <laughs> I'm really sorry, guys. And then yesterday I was talking to my colleague, Suri about how I wasn't going to do it and I was just like no I'm not doing that mm. and then I thought oh you know maybe I will and I went to log in and you need to create a login or you can log in with Facebook and to me that's kind of creepy so sorry well I'm a Slytherin <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff I think but I don't know what that means <laughs> I know what a Slytherin means Slytherin yeah it means that you're a bad person there's a man in my Tereo class that wears a Slytherin t-shirt he's got two of them Mm. I, I can't even I can't even get into it right now. I, Suri but, said but I, I was find the it really funny one. for some reason. Suri said I was the cynical one, whatever that is. She reckoned she uh, knew. Oh, well, let's just wrap this shit up because you are officially fired from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Look, um, so we have a little sad thing to um, announce that um, we won't have Alice recording our pods who's been with us from the beginning and we will really miss you. You've been so amazing. You've been um, such a you. great positive presence yeah. and you kind of like held our hand when we were nervous little baby podcasters and... Laughing in the right places so and yeah. kind of nodding along. It was we'd really reassuring. We'd look over you and we're like, we're doing well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, like, or like, this is obviously quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're on your phone. <laughs> but we're thrilled to have met Tina. Yes. So hi, Tina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Things will still keep tracking on. And we'd just like to mention the Spinoffs Books page. And thanks to Unity. And you can like and subscribe to us. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and email us as well. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. See you in a month. See you in a month. Yeah. And don't wake me. I'm dreaming. <laughs> <laughs>
The Spin-Off Podcast Network.